Welcome to the Jesus Image Podcast. Now I want you to turn to your neighbor and just tell them Jesus loves you. Just say hello. All right. You're going to need to tell them that because the message I'm bringing to you really carries the fear of the Lord. So it's like you just need to remind them that they're very loved first. <laughs> Pastor Jess and Michael, it's an honour to be back here again to preach. I could say something funny about Pastor Jess, but I love her too much. Do you see that kind of kindness coming out of me? <laughs> the forgiveness of God. Tonight we're going to go through a lot of scripture, but I want to sort of set up what I feel to share with you. And then I really firmly believe the strong presence of God's love and power like this will touch your heart. And I really, I don't know who closed worship, but when you close, she, she said, I feel that beauty and fear of God. And I preached a message here in um, April of last year about being discipled by the Father and coming under the Father's pruning hand and how God prunes us to receive us, never to punish us. It's always to, it is punishment in the moment, but it's to receive us. And tonight, I kind of want to do a part two of that message. And uh, it's a deeper place. We're going to go through a lot of scripture, but I want to set this up for you first. Um, I've been feeling this sort of sense that Christianity is losing its direction a little bit. That's why I'm very thankful for Pastor Michael and Jess and the constant preaching of Jesus. Because the, the direction of the Lord, of Christianity, it, it's to the feet of God. It's to heaven. It's unto eternity. It's not just for this life. It's for eternity. It's for souls. It's, it's not just for the temporary fixes we get, the band-aids we put on our emotions. It's not just for that. It's to conform us. It's Romans 8.29. We all love Romans 8.28, which is all things work together for the good of those who love Him. But Romans 8.29 is that we are being conformed to the image of His Son. And so this is extremely important to the Lord, that we are conformed. And so where I bring this teaching to you from is from a place of me seeing a lot of people say things and not live things, including myself. It's from a place of where I've seen so much language and Christianity is almost becoming like a currency of language. Like if you can sit at a dinner table and sound intimate, oh, I love, the, I wanna wash the feet of the Lord. Well, do you wash His feet? Uh, it's just about adoring you. Yeah, it's about forgiving your mother when you don't adore her. It's different to just words. We don't live in a, in a currency of prophetic language or intimate language. And it's becoming a little concerning to me because I feel like we're moving the bullseye. We're becoming more about what we say to each other than what we do. And when it's all being said and done, there's a lot more being said than done. And tonight, I want to bring you to the Word of God to show you 
something that God really revealed to me that was kind of unique to me. I was like, wow, I never saw that there. And I'm gonna look at this, but then we're gonna go through like six verses of Scripture. This will be very deep, but at the same time, very practical. I wanna help you. I just, I, I stand behind a pulpit every week and I feel such a fear of God, especially the last two years. I became a pastor and our churches are really, God's moving in a really profound way in Germany where I live. And I started to, I used to travel a lot and, and sort of hit the pulpits and hit the street. Every day I preach on the street and, and every single week I see God do things. I had the best week this week, actually. I, I, I saw some amazing miracles. I went to this place, I was in Charlotte, North Carolina. And uh, I was there, some of my friends are, are worship leaders at a church there called Elevation and, and they're burning. The, this friend of mine, Tiffany and her husband, they're burning for Jesus. I love them so much. Like they're, they're on their face, just weeping after the Lord with you. You know, they've been at our church as well in Germany and I see them seeking after God truly. They really love the Lord. And, uh, and so I was with them and we went to this food place. Her husband took me and there was this guy and, and just the presence of God in our life God has to be able to stop me in order for me to be able to call myself a disciple. If I'm a disciple of Jesus, I'm not a disciple of Sunday. I'm a disciple of Jesus. So the bullseye for my Christianity is not what everybody does in church life. It's what Jesus does in my life and what Jesus does in His Word life. And so the Lord just put in my heart, like there's people who work here with terrible back pain. And one guy came out, he said, yeah, actually, I do have back pain can I pray for you in this restaurant? And the Spirit of God hit this guy so strongly that he fell back against the back of the wall of his workplace. And then we looked at each other, we're like, whoa, like the Lord is really... And so, you know, when you sense the Lord, Christians, we're like, you know, seagulls on ships. Like when we feel the Lord's moving like two inches of His wind, we're like, let's bring a fan here. You know, let's, let, let's, let's turn this into a move of God kind of thing. And so I'm like, you know, I'm really praying for Him then. I'm like, get out in Jesus' name, healing and da, da, da. And then at the very end of it, he just goes, whoa, whoa. And he tells, he tells the whole staff. He goes, you know me. He goes, you know me, no joke. This is completely healed. And, and, and then the next guy, he's like, okay, me. It was awesome. It was so cool. I should have waited to pay for the food afterwards. I probably would have got it for free. But I'd already, we already paid. And, uh, but they were so like, oh, please come back. And the Lord really touched them powerfully. So I've had a wonderful week and I love preaching the gospel, but I feel a certain fear of God when I preach to the house of God. Let me tell you why. Because when you're sharing salvation, it's ultra important that you're accurate in your description of the gospel. But in some ways, it's, God can work with that. If you just say Jesus loves you and hug them, the Lord can save them through a hug. I've met people who have been saved sitting at a bus station and someone walked past and said, Jesus loves you. And now that person is a burning evangelist. That was enough. God can work with the small. But when you talk about the dexterity of Scripture, of sharpening a believer, of helping them live holy and free, of putting the nutrients of the Scriptures into their life, it's a fearful thing. It didn't used to be for me. I used to jump around the pulpits of the world and just kind of bring fire and power and but now that I shepherd a community, I feel such a like, oh, they're your sheep. We don't have awakening church. That's a Jesus person. That's not my person. I'm an under shepherd, but that's Jesus' sheep. So I really share this with you with a sense of the fear of the Lord because I wanna add to that original message of April 
where if you weren't there, you can go back and watch. But basically I talked from Hebrews 12 about us coming under the pruning hand of our Father and us not avoiding the Father in broken areas, but letting Him come in and truly letting Him mould us. And if that means even correct us, letting Him do the work. And this sermon is like a part two about how to live under the rabbi's teachings. This book is my Bible, but it's not. It's not my Bible. It's not my choice of, it is a choice in a sense, but it's not I choose what I want here or I choose how much time. I choose how much validation I give it. No, 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 no. My opinions don't come close to this book. This book sits like this. I know this is gonna sound wrong. I'm not as valuable as this book. God's words formed me. I didn't form it. This book is my guide through the teachings, through the Spirit, not through the letter of the law, but through the Spirit. This book is to be my guide to follow my rabbi. The Jews have it right when they put that little thing on their head. I know it's religious probably, dead religious works, but they put that on their head to remember the Scriptures and to put the Lord's thoughts always before theirs. And I feel the Lord wants to really speak to us tonight about how we feed ourselves and who we really follow and make sure we're not living under a currency of language, but living under my rabbi's teaching. And this message comes from what the Spirit of God did in me the last 12 months. I found an internal battle within myself. I really went through a battle the last 12 months. And my battle, you would think it's some spiritual principality and everything, It was this, I found myself ultra distracted. I found myself struggling to not scroll. I found myself just automated, just going to it. What's now? What's now automated, like robotic. And and, and something happened where about a year ago, God began to really speak strongly to my heart, like Ben, In order to go into the depths of where I'm taking you as my disciple, I'm gonna need you to put that down more and to touch this scroll. You've got another scroll. I'm gonna need you to come under this more and learn from me because I realised transparently with you that there were certain areas of my walk with Jesus that were very deep. I could share about God's heart for souls. I know if I share about God's heart for the lost, the Spirit moves, the people will weep, the conviction will come. You will love the lost again. Not because of me, because it's right inside the kingdom. It's there. I know I carry that. But there was other things about God's nature, about God's presence, about the way Jesus forgives people. There was areas I was weak in. And do you know why I was weak? because the time between this and this was very different. So I was led to study the book of Revelation and I'm just gonna read these things to you and I'm gonna say a big statement to you, but I want you to hear and understand it. And the statement is this, God doesn't know your heart, He knows your works. 
Many people come to me, Pastor Ben, can you pray for me? What do you need prayer for? I keep yelling at my wife, but God knows my heart. No, He knows you yell at your wife. <laughs> pray for me, Ben. I, I love your testimony about sexual purity. Pray for me for deliverance like that. You know, I, I want to be pure. God knows my heart. Does He? Let's read it. Revelation 1. Sorry, Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. Sorry. When I did this study of the seven churches of Revelation, the Holy Spirit has shown me a few things. And I want to share them with you. Number one, Jesus, with every church, commends their good areas of their life. So you have to know your faithful shepherd isn't just pointing out the bad. He's not like that. He's loving. His burden is easy, his yoke is light. He's a loving saviour. But I was looking for consistencies in the way he dealt with the churches. I felt the Spirit told me to study the, the seven churches. And the, the, there's a several consistencies, but I wanna highlight this one. You ready? If, uh, Revelation chapter two to the church of Ephesus, verse two. I know your, say it with me, works. Okay, then he rebukes them in verse five. And what does he say? Let's read it. Remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works. Okay, flick over your page or, or go to verse eight. To the angel of the church in Smyrna write, these things says the first and the last who was dead and came to life. I know your works. Keep going down. Verse 12, to the angel of the church of Pergamos write, these thing, things says he who has a sharp two-edged sword, I know your works. I think you're getting the point, but let's keep reading. Let's go down then to verse 18, to the church of Thyatira. Verse 18 says, These things says the Son of God, whose eyes are like a flame of fire and feet like fine brass. Church of Thyatira, I know your works. He continues here. Go down to chapter three of verse one. To the angel of the church of Sardis, these things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. He continues. Then he goes on to Philadelphia. Philadelphia is actually the last one. You have, sorry, Laodicea is the last one. Philadelphia is the second last one. This is the one that he speaks really well of, Philadelphia. It's verse seven of chapter three, to the angel of the church of Philadelphia write, these things says, he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, who opens and no one shuts, Wow, and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Works, works, works. Last one. To the Laodicean church in verse 14. To the angel of the church of Laodiceans write, these things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works. I was crying out to God with my heart, Father, you know I don't wanna watch the phone as much as I do. I don't wanna get caught up just scrolling. And I just say that to God. I'd feel a prick of conviction and I'd just say to God, oh God, I don't want that. Help me, God, you know, help me. You know my heart. Eventually, I felt like God was kind of like silent on the issue. It's not a big sin issue, 
But the Spirit began to show me how important time is. How important it is for me to be ready for heaven. For me to be ready to live this life for Jesus. But to be ready for heaven, to actually be able to discuss with people the depths of Jesus and not just sound intimate. And not just make it sound like I truly know God. Well, how do I know I truly know God? By my God knows my heart or by my works. Your works tell you what your heart is. If I prioritise something, it means that my heart wants it. If this takes precedence in my thinking, let me give you a great example of this. Sometimes people get caught in offence. Offence is going to happen. I have a great prophetic word for you. The Son of Man was persecuted, so will you be. You will be. There'll be offence in the message. The the name of Jesus will be an offence at some points. It'll also be a sweet smelling savour. It'll be a saviour to many, but it will offend some. And then you have, that's the message offence. Then you'll have relational offence. You'll do something, your love language will be, I don't know, hugs, and they'll buy you a cat. And you're like, my love language isn't gifts. And, and you hugged me. I didn't want a cat. Uh, sorry, I didn't want to be given a cat. I wanted a hug. And you'll be offended. And what can happen is, if you don't spend a lot of time here under the rabbi's thinking, under the rabbi's teaching, your heart begins to become manifest to God and to you. And it's through mercy He does this to God and to you, that your works aren't like His. And the craziest thing is about this, what we often do is instead of going to the Scriptures where God would give you a Scripture for a situation, like I I remember when I was a young believer, we would sit at cafes and I'd talk to people and Bible verses would come flying out of my mouth because I was reading the Word four hours a day. I'm not saying you need to read four hours a day. Some of you can't find you know, 40 minutes a day. But my life, because I came straight out of Satan, sin and darkness, it came straight underneath the rabbi's teaching. And I was brought up in the faith in a Baptist church in Australia. And my pastor, my Baptist leaders were amazing Bible teachers. And so they just created a constant hunger in me to come under the Bible. And they would talk like, what, it, what does it say in the Word? They would say that. Now what we do is we go, how do you feel? And what happens there is the offence, I feel terrible. But if I'm not under my rabbi's teaching and constantly reading the Word and being undistracted and undivided, I will feel terrible. And instead of doing what Jesus said, when someone strikes you on the one cheek, turn to him, the other. No, no, if someone strikes me on the one cheek, left hook up, I cut him. That's what we do. If someone strikes me on the cheek, just let me call five friends and process it first. Now we have five against one. And then someone will look at us and go, I thought you were a Christian. How come you're speaking so bitterly? I am a Christian. I was hurt. God knows my heart. Don't tell me I'm not a Christian. But, but hang on, I'm not a Christian. I thought you guys forgive each other. Don't Christians, do you see? So you have a quandary here. You have a problem here. We have many believers who live under the teaching of their own thoughts. 
and they read five minutes of the Bible and they go, that's my Bible, this is my life. They were inseparable to God. This is God's life to your life. This is God's food to your soul. This is God's reformation tool. This is the way He prunes you. This is the way He kisses you. This is God's gift to you. This is life itself. We said it before when we read Revelation 1, He is called the Word of God. So here, Jesus addresses these churches and He says, hey, 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 you guys are cool. You're amazing. You're my bride. I'm still your shepherd but I know your works. I know when you say, God, I praise you, but it doesn't really mean praise. I know when you say, well, we just forgive, don't we? And then two days later, you're arguing and bitter with your wife. But we pray very bold prayers like, God, prune me. Like I preached from Hebrews 12. Father me, God. And then when you're arguing with your friend or your wife and you're getting into this really heated thing, the Holy Spirit jumps in the middle of the conversation and the Holy Spirit says, stop. And you say, excuse me, Holy Spirit, give me five minutes, let me win the argument and then disciple me. (laughs) So many times in the world, we hear this statement and because I preach to people every day on the street, I hear it all the time. You know what they say? The church is full of hypocrites. That's not true. The church isn't full of hypocrites. That's an extreme statement. But there is some areas of hypocrisy that if we don't face them and reduce all these lies out of our lives and get back to simplicity, get back to true victory. What is true victory to you? I'll tell you what true victory is to me. When I get up in the morning and I can put Instagram to the left and my Bible to the front, that's victory to me. It's not when I just prayed for that guy in the restaurant. That's good too. But victory to me is when someone hurts me and I can go to the fields and pray for them. Because now my other cheek is turned. Now I feel my soul being reformed like my rabbi. I feel a closeness with Jesus in this. And then he can look me in the eyes and go, I know your works. You do forgive. You say and you do what you say. James says, show me your faith by your works. Why? Because anybody can say, it's all about Jesus. I love God with all my heart. And when that pruning fire to test the soil, to test the root comes to your your doorstep and it will come. Matthew 13, Jesus said, the seed that fell on stony ground, it says it sprang up quickly and the sun came and beat on that tree but because it had no root, it died. What does that mean? It wasn't rooted and grounded in the truth. And when the sun beats on that thing, and what is the sun? Daily life, daily relationships. What is the beating of the sun? See, you know what? I remember one time I was in Reading and um, I'm not the skinniest man anymore. And when I was in Reading, I wasn't skinny really either, but I was skinnier than I am now. And uh, one of my mentors, his name's Chris Overstreet, and he's a prof- just a profoundly beautiful man. Uh, he was with me on the shore of this place called Whiskey Town Lake. And there was like a little buoy, you know, like a boat thing in the middle of the lake. And he said, Ben, I used to be a really great swimmer. And I said, oh, I'm a great swimmer. And I said to him, I go, <laughs> I'm from Australia. You know, we swim with sharks. Like, I'm like, I'm a great swimmer. And he goes, really? 
I said, and he's kind of looking at me. <laughs> I said, Chris, trust me. I'm really good. And, uh, and I said, he goes, oh, do you want to race then? I said, yep. He goes, let's race to that buoy out there. And so I'm like, let's do it. And I got out in the water, you know, got ready and got out in the water in my little shorts and he's there and we're ready. And he's, he's my mentor at the time. And I'm like, I'm going to beat my mentor. How Christ-like. <laughs> so I start swimming and guess what? I get out halfway and I look back, I'm beating him. I'm killing him, in fact. And I don't know what it is, like the rest of me floats, but my arms swim. And, and I was like really quick and I was pushing so hard and I was like, and I got out there and then he got out there like a minute later or less, maybe 30 seconds. And, and he goes, wow, Ben, you're quick. I said, I told you, I grew up surfing. I grew up near the water. And I said, I'm good at, at swimming, Chris. And he's like, wow, buddy, that's so good. Then it's like, I was like, yes. And I'm kind of just gloating, just happy. And then we start to swim back to the shore. We get about, I don't know, 30, 30 seconds to a minute back towards the shore. It's long now. And all of a sudden I go like this. And sharp pain hits my chest. And all of a sudden my chest locks up. And I'm like, and I'm losing breath. And I'm like, Chris, and he's ahead of me. Chris, Chris. And all of a sudden I start sinking. I said, I can't swim. I said, something's wrong with me. So he goes, he called out. He said, Angela, come and help him. And these guys came and they, they had to drag me into shore. They dragged me into shore. I made it onto the shore and I threw up all over the shore. I was completely like done. I could have drowned out there. And I was so confident, my roots sprang up so quickly. But the sun beat down on my face. And what happened was, it wasn't that I was out of breath. It's that I hadn't done any training and I hadn't drank any water that day and I became dehydrated. So unless I bury my life between the covers of this book, whatever sun comes up over me, I might be winning the race for a while, but pretty soon after, I'm completely drowning. I'm scorched. I'm destroyed. Next minute, vileness is coming out of me. Like when I threw up. Next minute, gross things are coming out of my soul that I never thought would come out. And I'm like, hang on, I'm supposed to be a Christian. I hadn't spent enough time under the rabbi's teaching. In other words, can the Bible tell you how to live? You know, no, no, you know the right answer to that. You're gonna say yes. No, 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 what I'm saying to you is, can the Bible tell you how to appropriate yourself and your posture toward a situation? Instead of your friends telling you how. Can the Scriptures tell you how? Open your Bible to Matthew 7. Does this make sense? So God doesn't know my heart. He knows my works. And what do my works do? They reveal where my heart truly is. Where's your heart? Is your heart murky? Are your thoughts messed up in, I do things my way and I read my Bible? Again, let me just say it again. You don't read your Bible. It's not your Bible. It's the eternal Word that upholds the universe. It's Colossians 1. It's all things by the Word of His power. It is the dividing line between what it means to be a Christian and a disciple and a non-believer. We believe upon the Word. 
It's the scriptures. Okay, Matthew 7. Before I read this, I want to tell you, I was in Israel and I was up at the top of the hill where Jesus spoke the Sermon on the Mount. Guys, I had the best time up there. I was up on the hill. It is glorious up there. Who's ever been there? Few people, you, you know, right? How it looks over the whole big lake and it's right up on the top. There's no houses there. It's like prime real estate of all of Israel. There's no houses up there. It's just this beautiful mountain with this incredible view. Jesus gave this incredible sermon, these three chapters that change our lives. And, and I realised lately, like the last two years, when I'd read through Matthew 5, 6 and 7, many things I'd see in there, I don't live. But again, where he spoke this message is the best view. And I don't think there's an accident or a mistake in that. Because living in the Beatitudes, the being attitudes of God, it's the best view of life. It's the best view of following Him. It's the, it's the beauty of what makes a relationship between God and man. It's coming under the rabbi's teaching. And, and he says in Matthew 7 here, verse 24, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, works. Not just hearing, but doing. Whoever hears them, he is, I'll liken him to a wise man who built his house upon the rock. Now, this is so crazy because the next verse Jesus said, if you don't do them, in other words, if you hear, 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 if Christianity becomes a religion of messages, intimate voices, echo chambers of great sounding language, but you don't do them. He doesn't say in the next verse, if you hear them, you're a disciple. He says, if you hear and it changes you and you change and you do, then you're a wise person. But if you don't do, he says, you're a fool. You built your house on sand. In other words, it doesn't matter how many times I can say at a dinner table to people like, I'm so close to the Lord, the Lord's doing this to me. Stop pornography. If the Lord's your, your treasure, your delight, stop loving the thing that put holes in His hands. Oh, but Ben, that's too strong. No, 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 that's under the rabbi. See, to say that's too strong is our problem in our generation because our thoughts are murkily, messed with God's. It's my, I feel this way. God knows my heart. No, no. He knows 3.5 hours, 10 minutes. And He's not mad at you. He wasn't mad at the seven churches of Revelation. What was He trying to do? He's trying to woo them back. He's trying to do part two of the Father's pruning message. He's saying, now that you're in the Father, now that you're being pruned, now that you're following me, follow my teaching. Put into practice what you hear and then you'll be a wise man who built his house on the rock. And what does it say about that house? The winds came, the storms blew, the rains came and they beat on that house. What's the beating wind? Someone misjudges you. They see you praying on the ground. Father, come Lord, save my soul, 
save souls, change this city. They see you every week just weeping before God and they judge you. And you hear that they gossiped behind your back. That person just does that for attention. And your heart's like, like, and you wanna get revenge and you wanna self-justify. You wanna go that path. But all of a sudden, the rabbi (laughs) pray for those who hurt you and spitefully accuse you and mistreat you. But I wanna pray for those who spitefully mistreat and abuse you. Pray for them. That's where Christianity becomes Christ's Christianity. Christ's way. Not my mix up of flesh and spirit. (laughs) It doesn't matter if I watch certain movies. The eye is the window to the soul, friend. And when you read the Scriptures, you realise that we do not partake of the cup of the devil and Jesus. So if I'm full of Jesus and I truly can say with my home group and sit there and go, it's all about His feet and I kiss His feet, but then later on I'm kissing a movie about murder, about wicked, the darkest, unclean witchcraft where people are just destroying each other and casting spells. See, that's not religious. That means I truly love Him. It means that I'm under my rabbi and and I don't do things sometimes with my rabbi. I do it every day. I don't have churchianity. I have Christianity. You see? And so what began to happen to me was I began to say to God, I'm undisciplined. I begin to be more honest. And see, you don't wanna hear that from me. You wanna hear that I pray up in the woods and fast 50 days and you wanna hear from me that I'm a man of God who never fails. You wanna hear from me, this hair, he's like Elijah. You wanna hear he just wrestled a bear or something. You, you wanna hear that, the prophet has spoken. No, I want you to hear the truth. Preachers need to stop lying. People need to stop sitting up here and having a little pride show of how spiritual they are. Do you know they've proven, they've proven that people only remember 5% of sermons. You're doing 95% of your job to try and sound amazing for nothing. They're not gonna remember. This is not about sounding amazing. This is about when my mother calls me, Ben, you need to know this, this hurt me, can I soften myself? Is Jesus in me? Will His teaching speak to my mind? Or will my flesh just roar? You see? Can the Lord stop me to stop a homeless man? The Spirit of God convicted me once. He said to me, give that guy $50. But I said, but Lord, he's probably gonna give, he's probably gonna use drugs. The Lord said, give him that money. And then I'm like, but I I really, God, and here I am telling the eternal Godhead, how much smarter I am than Him. The wisest thing you can do is not your thought, it's His. There's such shade up there. There's such shade here, such covering, such a good feeling to go to bed at night and know I'm living the Bible. (laughs) I'm not just reading it. So I said, God, I struggle with discipline. Not discipline as in like you correcting me. I'll listen to your correction. I struggle with time discipline. I struggle to set myself aside. And as the church is growing and everything's growing, I'm, I'm learning, I'm going after sermons. Everything is good. I'm, I'm learning a lot about the, the Word, but, but I'm just so busy in the ministry. And I'm, and I'm kissing your feet in the car. And you know what I'd say? 
I'd say to people stuff like this. I'd go, God knows at the moment how tired I am. People go, wow, you look tired. I'm like, I am. I mean, we're just planning our fourth church in a minute. We're organising big stadium events. and, And I'm like, guys, I'm so busy. And the Holy Spirit said, how come you never blame your phone because you're on that for three hours a day? You blame the ministry instead. <laughs> oh, Jesus, school homework's so hard. No, the, the four-hour show that you watch was what took that away. <laughs> Some of you students are like, uh-oh. <laughs> was that convicting? Put your hand up if that was a little convicting. Oh, lots, lots of hands. <laughs> if you're watching at home, you're like, I'm not even in Jesus, school. <laughs> I'm convicted already. How do I join? <laughs> Isn't it weird how we blame holy things? Why not be honest? (laughs) My favourite show actually, my Netflix documentary, it's not wrong, it's not wrong. It's only wrong when all of our mental traffic is carnal. And Jesus said to Peter, when Peter rebuked Jesus because he felt he had the wisdom of God, He said, you are mindful of the things of the flesh, not of God. Peter, if you had have been listening a little differently, maybe you would have answered differently. Do you see? So God knows our works, not just what we say. Turn to Hebrews chapter four. Isn't the Lord amazing? Isn't he such a faithful shepherd? (laughs) You know, Jesus really loves you. Like he really loves you. If he wrote you a letter now, he might say, I'm the Alpha Omega and I know your works. But he's going to do it because he's trying to go, come here. He's not trying to push you away. He's trying to make you a disciple. (laughs) Hebrews 4. So what happens, Ben, when we read the Word? What happens to my soul? Here's what happens. First, let's read verse 2. For indeed the Gospel preached to us as well as to them. It was preached to them too. But the Word did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So when we come to the Scriptures, we posture ourselves that this will do its supernatural eternal work as we hear. It will do something we can't do. Many people have heard the Word of God. Many people in Israel that I met read the Bible and pray nine hours a day, but they can't see the Lamb of God. I'm not against them. I, I pray the Lord would reconcile, like Romans says, them into the faith one day as well. But sometimes we just read it like it's our Bible and it's kind of an optional thing we put in our head or it's a box we ticked because it's the right Christian thing to do. But to God, His words aren't the right Christian thing to do. Let me give an example here. Benny, come here. Come up here. I want to do a thing with you. (laughs) Benny's not going to like this, but I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) I love this boy a lot. We both have the same name. If I say to you, Benny, I love you, Do you believe me? Yeah. Good. If I say, I want to hug you. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Okay. If I say that to you, but if I look at you and go, Benny, here's what I think about you. I fashioned you in your mother's womb, right? 
and I'm looking face to face with him and saying that to him, you're going to believe me, right? If I say, Benny, in that wallet right there, I have 10 bucks for you. Now he's going to get happier. If I say, I have 10 bucks for you to get Chick-fil-A tomorrow and I want to give it to you. Do you believe me? Yeah. Do you know why he believes me? Because he sees me. Don't look up there. <laughs> this kid's a good preacher. Really good. He's amazing. I love you. I'll give, I will give you 10 bucks. Okay. I told him I'll give him 10 bucks. <laughs> Did you catch the analogy? When you read, mix it with faith. You're telling me you will. If, if he, Benny tells me, Ben, I love you, I go, I believe it. When we read the word though, it's like an option. And because Jesus isn't standing face to face, we don't mix it with faith. We don't receive from it. Do you see? Next part. Go down to verse 12. For the Word of God is living and powerful. Say living and powerful. That's right. Turn to your neighbour and say, the Word is living and powerful. Amen. We need to remember that. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It pierces unto the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So what will happen to me? How will God know my heart? How will I know my own heart? The Word goes in, it cuts the soul realm out of what I think. The more I read, it goes, this is your thoughts and this is God's thoughts. So then I'm in a scenario where I'm upset and I want my thoughts to lead. But constantly under the rabbi's teaching, the constant sword will take away from me what I would have thought to do in my soul. It will lead me spiritually into the footsteps of Jesus. And I love this about the Word, ready? We missed it one bit here. It is living and powerful. In other words, when you read it, it will do the work quickly. It won't take long. But if you leave it, it will change. Your soul will also change you quickly. You become unforgiving again. You might make a justification for porn again. You might say, but God knows my heart, but, 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 but again. And then you use the Word. It's funny how we do this because then we use the Bible to try and extract the forgiveness after we deliberately sin. Why didn't we use the Word to stop the sin? <laughs> It'd be so much easier. <laughs> okay, God, I'm so mad. And then the enemy, drink alcohol, go to the bar, go get drunk. And I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna go get drunk. And then the Word begins to come up in you. Drunkenness leads to foolishness. Do not be drunk with wine, but rather be filled with the Spirit, Ephesians 4. Pray in tongues, Ben, be filled with the Spirit and let that anger just drop off you. You don't need alcohol. Let the anger drop off, pray in the Spirit. But most of us don't know five Bible verses to quote out loud about our own personal walk with God. That's just the reality. And it was a struggle for me. I know many Bible verses, but it was a struggle to start to reduce one thing and lift up and come under another thing in the last 12 months. So here's what I did. I got into my, my lounge room and I put my feet in a comfortable place. 
and I took all the pressure off my soul. I decided I'm not gonna come to you or to your word, great rabbi, with pressure. I'm not gonna come and try and meet one hour. I'm gonna come and meet you. And I sat there with him and I said, Holy Spirit, I begin to pray it every time I read almost. Holy Spirit, teach me the word. How do we know He'll do that? What did Jesus say? He shall teach you of all things to come and He shall take of what I said and declare it to you. And so I began to do this and all this pressure went away. And next minute I would find myself two hours under the Word every day. And I'd be like an hour and a half the next day. And then I would stop at certain verses and I'd pray them. I see how loving Jesus was, how patient Jesus is how friendly God is, how quick to forgive. Are you? Is it a religion of words? Is it I'll set the standard? I, God knows my heart. Jesus said in that day, We won't be judged according to our heart. His Word will judge us. His Word, whether we lived it or not, was it a true resolve? (laughs) Romans 8, 14, those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. What if the Spirit puts deep conviction on you when you're super tired, driving home from work, go to the left side of that McDonald's there and buy someone who's homeless a meal. No, 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 I'm tired. Those who are led, see, what needs to happen, even the same with negativity, when we speak ill of each other, what needs to happen is Scriptures need to come into place there instead of our thoughts. So when you read it, it begins to divide you. It begins to go, that's the true you, that was the flesh you. And, and you pray it. That's what I do now. I, I, I pray it, Jess. I, I pray, I say, Father, make me kind. For me, guys, honestly, honestly, I have seen stadiums filled. God has used me for that. I've seen thousands saved. God has used me for that. I have been pretty decent at following the leading of the Spirit in the streets. God has used me for that. But I've also argued with my mother 40 or 50 times where God was, had nothing to do with it. And I felt the Spirit in the middle of it. Son, this isn't the way of my Word. This isn't the way to honour your mother and father. Lest it go eat badly with you. Let it go well with you, son. Honour your mother and father. But, the but is the problem. The me coming back into my thoughts above the Word thoughts is the problem. Now, where I feel such victory is when I get up in the morning or in the evening and I just sit there with my Bible and I faithfully read it and I put my phone under a pillow and I can stay there and not have to check every ding on my phone. I'm like, whoa, I'm becoming strong. I'm like, what is happening to me? I'm becoming deep. I'm understanding stuff from the Scripture I never understood before. I'm getting such crazy revelations. I'm getting the craziest stuff and I'm not coming to Him going, give me the revelation because I'd love to preach that from the pulpit because I love how people see me. I don't care how you see me anymore. I used to. I'm not living for that. That's emptiness, it's empty bread. 
climbing the Christian totem pole of who's the most popular, who's the most successful, who's the biggest boy in the house. No, 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 no. It's not well done, good and famous servant. Well done, good and faithful. That's victory. That's victory. That's the way of the Scriptures. It's life. (laughs) So now, guess what's happening? I go to a scenario, a situation, and the Word comes. The Word's there in my mind. God will say something to me. You should give this. And I'll be like, I'll start to think about it. And then I'll hear, it's more blessed to give than receive. Oh, Rabbi. Yes. Here we go. When this begins to become less or whatever it is, whatever it is, it might not be this. It just could be high-minded thoughts. Paul, when he wrote to the church that he planted, he said, I urge you all not to go beyond what is written. That can sound a little controlling, right? Like, don't think beyond the Bible. Are you controlling me with the Bible? Like, I get it. People could use that and manipulate that Scripture. What he's saying to you is this. Your thoughts are going to end up in a path of... Do you remember what they did before you met Jesus? Your thoughts? But we have the mind of Christ now. Put the mind of Christ on. Put the the flesh off and put on the mind of the Lord. And how do I know the mind of the Lord? The Word of the Lord. So what happens when you do this? When you begin to pray the Bible through you, the Spirit works through the Word. You put faith in, okay, Father, make me kind. Next minute, the Spirit brings scenarios that buffet your flesh. Kindness comes out. Or it doesn't. And then you go, again, Lord, put this verse in me. Love is kind. I pray it again in Jesus' name. Next week, and then love you. And then you're like, oh, it's working. It's working. It's working. And I'm falling more in love with you. And I'm seeing more of you. And I'm seeing more of me. And it, it's working. And it's not just words now. I don't just want to impress people. I want to know the depths. I want to long for the depths of God. It's power. And this is what happens in you when you do this. Turn to Proverbs 6. This is what will happen in you as you do this. As you come under your rabbi's teaching. (laughs) You know, they say, they have that saying, who's your daddy and all those, like, who's your boss and all that. You can just say, who's your rabbi? You go up to people and go, who's your rabbi, bro? The word of Jesus. Proverbs 6. This is what begins to happen to you as you place yourself under the word of God. This really has hit me lately. Like, I'm like, whoa, man, I, I, I feel like I wasted a couple of years. I was still, do you understand? I'm not saying to you, you Ben, you're a preacher. You didn't read your Bible. No, no, I read my Bible. I worshiped every day. But can I be really real with you? It was easier for me to worship than to read the Scriptures. Anybody ever felt that? Why do you reckon that is? Why is YouTube so easy? Why is social media so easy? Because <laughs> there's nothing in it. There's no life in it. For those of you who are watching on YouTube right now, I don't mean that to you. I just realised when I said that, I'm like, gee, I'm thankful the Holy Spirit is like Ben, they're watching on YouTube. For those of you watching at home, we love you and welcome to YouTube. (laughs) Probably Pastor Michael, I love you. But you get what I'm saying? 
There's no gold there. There's no gold on that scroll. There's no gold. Do you think we were made for this? Were we made for that? Nah. That's a distraction. And that makes us mindful of the things of the flesh. But when I come here, here's what happens to me. Look at verse 20, chapter 6. My son, keep your father's command. Do not forsake the law of your mother. Bind them continually. Say this with me, continually. Yeah, every day, continually. Upon your neck. (laughs) Sorry, I just had a weird picture of people walking around like this. (laughs) In my head. Bind them continually. Tie them around your neck. So here I am every day like this. God, I'm in your word. Continually. What should I do? I've got 20 minutes spare. I should scroll. This one. Bring me to life. Sharp, powerful, effective. Bring me to life. I've got 15 minutes. I'm going to meet my Messiah. And you just sit there under the teaching and then it gets bound around your life. All of a sudden it's with you and you don't even know it. You don't know it. Because the Word's like vegetables. It's like vitamins. It goes in, you don't know it. But God shows us what happens here. Look at the next verse. This is what happens, ready? 21, you bind them continually around your heart. You tie them around your neck. When you roam, they will lead you. Whoa, hang on. So when I'm like, I don't know what to do, the Word will go, yep, you do that. That's powerful. Then it says this. When you sleep, they will keep you. Oh, but I'm having nightmares. Stop watching that show. Start reading the Word. The nightmares are coming from the mindful of the flesh. Because it says, when you sleep, they will keep you. You're wrapped in a blanket of Scripture. You're wrapped in your rabbi's teaching. What happens if you get attacked with sleep? That is not my inheritance. The Word of God says, Isaiah 54, God, you shall rise up and I shall condemn every tongue that comes against me. And God grants sleep to His beloved. Don't touch my sleep, I'm a beloved of God. But if you don't know it, you're not gonna say it. And if you don't say it, there's no power. You'll be murky. You'll just get five people to ring you and pray and this and that, and it comes back. Have you noticed how much it comes back? Do you know why? because it didn't get rooted down there. It didn't get down there. The sun hits it again, pray. No, root. You can pray too, but I'm not condemning prayer. (laughs) I'm just saying, praying constantly for a situation to change instead of your mind being renewed to the ways of Jesus. Which one's gonna bless you more in in the long run? And this is my favorite part of this verse. You ready? When you awake, they will speak with you. (laughs) I love this because I used to wake up and Instagram would speak with me. (laughs) Now, when I get up, 
after reading the word so much more, after coming under his teachings, when I wake, all of a sudden, verses are coming to my head. All of a sudden, I'm connecting with people. We're talking about a subject. Verses are coming about the subject. Wouldn't it be an amazing day where we all talk about God? (laughs) Do you know the Bible says that you should edify one another, sing to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to the Lord? Wouldn't it be a great day where we just look at each other and go, I love you. The Lord is so amazing for your life. That's what the Bible says to do. Someone sits with you like, my life sucks. What sucks about it? God has affirmed you in Christ. You are a daughter of God. But I don't have my husband yet. You're gonna have a husband. All of God's promises are yes and amen. All of God's promises are yes and amen. All of God's promises are yes and amen. Yes and amen. That's what the Bible says to do. When you wake, they will speak to you. So you wake up, you wake up and the Bible says, hello, Sarah. (laughs) He's the living Word of God. He is the Word of God. The Word of God is not an optional book for us. The Word of God holds us together to even read it. These eyes can't see the Bible, hear the Word without the Word. It's a living book. It's my rabbi's teaching. I come under its covering. I come under its nature, not mine. <laughs> so what do you do? You'd be like, I'm reading. Doesn't seem to be going in. Not much went in. Oh, there's a bit. Rima revelation. Didn't go in much. Three days later, you'll be driving and the word goes, hello. <laughs> you don't remember me. I'm from Proverbs chapter nine. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'd like to tell you today, that your father is a promised covenant keeping God, you know, whatever, whatever it says. Wisdom is justified by all of her children and you're one of our children. Wow. <laughs> Are you getting this? You get the point? I'm not trying to be funny, I just am. But I, 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 just, <laughs> I just, I'm trying to get the point across to you. I feel like I'm trying to maybe anesthetize you or whatever they call that. You know, where you cut them and just have a little cut jab thing. You know those things where they do that? This is not gonna hurt. Ah, and then they make you laugh. I'm trying to make you see that the Word of God's supposed to cut us. It's supposed to go. I, I said to God all the time, God, you know how much I work for you. You know how much, how busy the church is. You know my heart. And the Spirit said, I also know you're three and a half hours here. I know your works. You see? And then you go, oh, true. Like honest Christianity. Can there be another kind? But there is. There's a words-based Christianity. And it's not real works. It has to be works. We have to be able to look God in the eyes and feel confident in our walk. I thought to myself, this will finish with this. I thought to myself, if I met Jesus, I kept thinking through this one thought, Mark. I thought through it a lot. If I meet Jesus face to face, can I stand there and confidently say, my ways are like His? Whew, I thought through it a lot. Like, could, could I, am I as loving as Him? Do I love the Scriptures like He loves them? <laughs> am I long-suffering? Am I bent to the point of a cross? 
where he'd say to me, I want you to move to Tajikistan or somewhere like in the Middle East and go, you're gonna give up your life. You're gonna move to the Middle East and no one's gonna know your Instagram. Are you a judge of other churches? Do you judge the Baptists? I used to. They're not Holy Spirit enough. I found out recently, much to my humility, that the Baptist movement in America has sent more missionaries with the gospel around the world than any charismatic movement. That was humbling to hear. But yet I forgot somehow, I was in a Baptist church when I first got saved and they were very amazing, godly people. And they prayed in tongues, but they just didn't do it the same as me. They, but see, we are so much about like, I'm this way, I'm that way, they're that way and I'm this way. It's all still your thoughts, read here. Read here and you come across a story where Jesus and the disciples come to Him, we told someone not to preach in your name because they're not with us. And He says, ding dong, don't do that. He said, he who is for us is for us. He who is not against us is for us. They're in the same kingdom. But judgment, unrighteous judgment, pride, can I look Jesus in the face? My ways are under my rabbi's ways. My ways are similar to my rabbi's ways. It's not just intimate currency of language. It's real. It's real. So Lord, make it real. And how, what tool, what extracting tool against the mind of the flesh will you use to make it real? You will use your teachings they will tell me what to do. They will guide me. I won't get caught up in gossip anymore because the Bible says God hates a person who divides communities in Proverbs 6, same chapter. God hates a person who divides community. Doesn't go, God loves you. God knows my heart. I just have to tell everybody against everybody. No. Your heart is clear by your fruit your fruit. And I said, Jesus, I've got to fall in love. I need a Bible revival. I need a Bible revival. I've got to fall in love. I've got to know for myself. I don't want anyone else's bread. I'll feed from other tables. I'll take from teachings. I'll take off YouTube, whatever. But I have to know. And I have to be confident that when someone comes to me, out of me will come the thoughts of the Lord. A little bit of sin is the murky water of your own justificating. A little bit of darkness. Jesus warned us, don't put that in there. It will leaven everything. <laughs> Come under this. Come under this. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can like and subscribe to help us continue to reach people around the world with the gospel. Give today at jesusimage.tv forward slash give. You can also join us in person or online every Sunday at Jesus Image Church. For more information on Jesus Image, events, Jesus School, and resources, visit jesusimage.tv.